Hi, Kate. Hi, Jack. What's up? <sighs> Nothing. How's your morning been? I've spent a large amount of it with you. Yeah, that's true. We always start our Fridays together. Kind of cute. It is cute. Even when you go on trips, usually, I still get a little bit in the morning. Well, it used to be only when I went on trips. Right. That's how you and Justin would know I was traveling. Yeah. I always knew Kate was going on a trip if she showed up for Friday 545 and couldn't make it to anything else. So she came to my class as an absolute last resort. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally like, I hate to be here, but it's my only option. (laughs) And now you come on your own volition. I know I do. You're growing. I've, I think I've done like six in a row. That's crazy. Maybe more. It's, it's a big step. Yeah. Friday Today was really fun. It was like oh, Hispanic, thanks. Latin craziness. There were three like Latin inspired songs. Two of the three were Pitbull. Of course. <laughs> well, Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> it's because I'm Cuban. There's like a thing with Cubans. I don't know if you know this. That they love Pitbull? Oh, well, definitely that they love Pitbull. But generally, like there's a thing with Cubans where like if someone else is Cuban, that's all you need to know about the person t- for you to love them with every part of your being. Oh, that's it's, amazing. I think it's because I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's just because like the amount of Cubans it's tight knit in the US is like not a very large number. And uh, most of the Cuban diaspora is congregated in southern Florida. So if you so when you find another Cuban outside of there, it's you're like, like you're, whoa, you're a straggler too, right? It's what like, are you doing we, here? We're in this together, me and you. That's kind of cute. And I'm getting Cuban food tonight. You are, but that's nothing special because you, I think, go there once a week. No, I don't. <laughs> Just because, okay, Habana, <laughs> Habana at the lab is a Cuban restaurant. It's the best Cuban I've had in the area. I also think it's just some of the best food in the area. It's very good food. Like, period. And I actually used to go, like, when I was in high school. I would, like, drive out here, like, for my birthday dinner. Why are you shaking? I had no idea you did that. That's crazy. Yeah, there were a few things I would make the... Jack's from Corona, if if anyone doesn't know that. Yeah, so I'm from the Inland Empire. 909. Riverside County. I'm 951. Thank you. Shoot. But same vibe. (laughs) Same Same energy. Same exact energy. And uh, yeah, so we would come out here for sprinkles, cupcakes, and TK Burger, and Habana on my birthday. What a unique assortment. Yeah. It's all I really knew existed out here for a long time. Okay. But anyway, I forgot Habana existed for years. I mean, literal years I didn't go there. Moved here, didn't go there. Just recently, the spark's been ignited. Yeah, I remembered. And we went once and it, yeah, the love. Snowball effect. Wow. So it, yes, I have been a f- quite a few times in the last couple months, but definitely not weekly. That's crazy. I mean. It's expensive. Yeah, but you go to Bandera weekly. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, can't make that argument. <laughs> okay. I love Bandera. I know you do. Yeah. Anyway. Guys, I really want to... Make an announcement. Wow. I love to bike. <laughs> it's so fun. It is so fun. We recently, well, Jack and Justin actually, Justin got a Super 73 and Jack got an electric pedal assist bike. And like two weeks later, Gerardo and I were like, we also need this because it just looked so fun. I, it's a major joy trigger for me. 
the joy that it sparks. If anyone out there is on the fence about getting specific, I mean, we got electric bikes and I, they're game changers because you're just able to take them so many different places without a hassle. But any bike in general, if you're on the fence about getting a bike, get a bike. I have not felt that kind of joy since I was 10 years old. It's so special and if you know anything about me you know that I hate like going on walks like people that go on walks it's so hard for me to wrap I know it's so good for us but it's I hate it so when I want to be outside but not go on a walk I literally just hop on my bike and it's so much fun it's so fun I can't stress it enough and you mentioned this earlier that you feel like it possibly could be putting our brains in a different state theta oh, question yeah. mark we have no evidence that that's what it is no we've done no research but we will and we'll follow up on the next step. but it feels like i'm putting my brain on a shelf when i'm riding my bike it is really nice it's very meditative i wonder if jenna bikes she has an electric bike i think but they don't use it often for a reason and i can't remember what the reason is yeah. yeah well jenna's our guest today and honestly i am so excited for you guys to listen to this episode you guys aren't ready so first of all this is our first ever two-part episode we had to split it simply because we were chatting for too long and we couldn't ask you to sit there as long as we did however you're gonna enjoy every single second of it it was a mind-blowing day recording it and then listening back to edit it was even more enjoyable. I was literally texting Kate yesterday and I was like, holy shit, this episode is so good. I can't stop smiling. I'm so <laughs> excited. Like, I don't want to take up any of their time. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So anyway, just for all of you guys to know, Jenna Rainey is just an incredible individual. Also, that's also what happened as I was listening back to it is like, I feel so lucky to know this person. She is so funny. She is so cool. And she is so talented. So she is not only a successful artist, painter, creative. Um, she also runs her own business and has been doing so for upwards of a decade. Um, now has three employees, including her sweet, sweet husband, John, who we talk about on the episode, but really deserves this whole episode in his own right. What a great guy. He helped this podcast. He sure did. He has helped us technologically, which Lord knows. Um, we need a lot of help with. So anyway, Jenna is a watercolor painter and we talk with her on part one of this episode about her business, about how she's established multiple streams of income in order to protect her business and have an extra sense of stability and security in small business ownership. We talk about Instagram and using it as a marketing tool. We talk about SEO strategy. We talk about creating a thriving online community. We talk about monetizing that community in ways that are authentic uh, and meaningful. And then on the next episode, we shift um, and talk a lot more about health, uh, mental health, and many other things. One thing I do want to say before we get into this episode is that the subject of mental health and of suicide does come up. So I want to make sure that is made very clear before you guys get into it. But I think that you are going to take a lot from this and learn a lot from Jenna, not only today, but also next week. Hi, Jenna Rainey. Hello. Hi, Jenna. Welcome to Friends with Health Benefits. 
Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. How's your day been? What have you been up to? Well, um, I'm assuming we're going to talk about this, <laughs> but I woke up with the sunrise and got my feet on the earth, my bare feet, and Miles wakes up at like six-ish. So I'm usually up before him, and then he comes out, and we get some UVA light together. And great. so I've done that. I've answered emails, and I got, like, a meeting done. So Great. That's mm-hmm. great. Do you tell Miles when you do that stuff with him? Do you, like, explain to him what you guys are doing, or do you just kind of incorporate it into the routine and hope that it sticks? So Miles is three. He's, right. like, <laughs> super. <laughs> For context. But actually, I feel like he I, I do think kids at that age are surprisingly more aware than the, than we give them credit but like oh so like this morning I said we need to touch our bare feet on the earth and he's like okay I'm doing it no questions so you wow. don't have the like contra- like the you know critical what is that really doing so anyways he just he just does it with me but he I don't know if he's actually like aware of what we're doing but um when we came back inside after this morning he was like you need to go back on the world. You need oh, to go back on the world. The I was world. like, oh, you mean the earth? <laughs> that is so Because I call it earthing, and it's, it's just, it was so cute. So when you say you get up with the sunrise, is that your body naturally waking you up, or is there an alarm involved? Uh, it's naturally waking me up. There was um, a time where you have to, like, get acclimated to... So your body has all of these systems that are specifically designed to run at specific times. And so when you are consistently obviously getting ultraviolet a light in your system in your eyes and the receptors in your eyes and the receptors on your skin you are then like producing certain hormones producing like neurotransmitters that are firing off and doing specific tasks throughout the day and so one of those tasks is initiating the production of melatonin and so if you are getting that early uva light during sunrise you're then able to start producing melatonin at the proper time. So you're not going to have the like sleepy afternoon phase where everybody's like, I just need more coffee or whatever. Or you're not going to be firing cortisol, which is your stress hormone in the middle of the night because you're properly timing all of the tasks that your cells have every step of the way throughout the day because of the frequency or the wavelength of light that you're letting in your eyes. And so I used to have to, I obviously was reliant on an alarm and then my child became my alarm. (laughs) And then, and then I started like really getting into the nitty gritty of like sunlight health and circadian health and stuff. And then you just like sync up all the processes in your body and you don't need it anymore. Wow. So that's (laughs) natural. And when you travel, how do you, do you adjust to that? How long does it take for you to kind of, Oh my gosh, this last, so I was just in France last month for three weeks and uh, that did me in like Mm -hmm. so bad um travel is so hard I mean I don't know how much you know about my background with health but I have a few autoimmune diseases and I've gone through the ringer with my health and so travel already is really difficult for uh, a lot of different reasons obviously you're eating foods that you wouldn't normally be eating at 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 home and I'm a lot more strict at home not that I'm like trying to put this like unappealing um like a look or appearance to the way I live because I enjoy feeling good and so obviously like I have to be a little quote-unquote strict with my diet so anyway when you're traveling you just aren't you're not you don't have access to the things that you would normally be feeding yourself there's a lot more seed oils and so with that in combination I was working the whole time and it was teaching retreats and so I'm teaching 
nine plus hours a day and then also hanging out with all of the students that are on the retreat. So it was a lot of like work consistently, no breaks. And my sleep was off and all this stuff. So when I got to France, it took me probably two to three full days to not have the, I'm waking up in the middle of the night and like wide awake and then crashing, you know, 12 hours later or whatever at 2 p.m. And then you finally get on, on track and then you come back home. And you do it again. It's and always the like, second to again. last night. You're like, great. Asleep I've by made 10, it. up by eight. I've adjusted. <laughs> it's like, not today. No, nope. no. It's all over. So for those that aren't familiar with your business and these retreats that you host, can you give us just a quick overview of your brand, how you started, what you do now? Yeah. So, hello. My name is Jenna Rainey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had a business for 10 years, an art business. So 10 years ago, I was 23 years old working um, at an office job that I had for about four months in a financial planning office retirement specifically. So filing a lot of IRA applications, doing a lot of really boring shit. And I truly cannot <laughs> picture you in a financial I know. planning office. Well, <laughs> that was like only four months of my life. And so before that, I was working at bars and restaurants and it was a very different work experience environment. And then my uncle, who's a financial planning, uh, a financial planner, he offered me a job so that John and I um, could move back to California where I'm from. I'm from San Clemente and we were living in Chicago and uh, that's where John and I met. So anyway, I was working at restaurants. My uncle was like, just come file IRA applications for me for 30 grand a year and it'll get you to move from Chicago back out to California. And so we took the bait and it was awesome bait. It was very generous, good bait. Right. Um, and it changed my life. But the job itself, as you can assume, was not something that I was designed to do. It just was not indoors, artificial lighting, scanning things I didn't care about, like eight to five. None of that was anything that I was remotely interested in. But at the time I was 23, I had no idea what, what I was remotely interested in. I went to school, I studied psychology, I wanted to be a music therapist, and then I realized that I really do not do well in a school environment, <laughs> and I could barely finish my undergrad, and so what are we going to do? We're going to work restaurants, and then we're going to get this random office job, see where that works, or where that ends up, and so I worked for him for about four months, and this was around the time that like Instagram had already been out for like two years or whatever, but I started uploading my artwork to Instagram per John's encouragement. And that's one of the things that I like attribute my entire career and business to is having support in the key areas and relationships in my life, my parents, my husband, my friends. And without them, we wouldn't be here today. So, but 10 years ago, I was, I felt like my soul was being sucked out of my body. I was that is so fun. <laughs> depressed. Um, <laughs> going through all of these like big life questions like what am I going to do with my life right and um I randomly discovered or stumbled upon this box of art supplies that got mixed up in our moving stuff that from Chicago back to California and it became my therapy I became obsessed with painting obsessed with pointed pen calligraphy and eventually like a couple months into me having this soul sucking job um <laughs> me painting literally till three or four in the morning, which is super unhealthy for, you know, we'll get there later. Would but never. <laughs> circadian would never rhythm. Be, right. <laughs> um, 
but I, I just was obsessed and I couldn't stop thinking about art when I would be at the office job. I brought my first initial like calligraphy addressing jobs for wedding invitations to do in my car during my lunch break at my office job. And so I was like, it was like, I was so craving this like creative side and I didn't know how it was going to work out in my life, but I just knew I had to pursue it like a deep intuitive feeling that I knew I had to pursue it. And thankfully I had a family and a husband that was extremely supportive and said, yes, quit your day job. We can rely on my used car salesman salary. That's <laughs> very non-existent because John is the nicest human on the planet. Yes. And you earn commissions at these jobs and he's just not pushy. And so we um, struggled big time for a while. I don't remember what your original question was. Just your background. My this background. is great. Yeah. How we got here, what you do. Yeah. So um, anyway, long story long, um, I quit my job about four to six months after starting it and pursued this art career that I, I had found. I discovered it fell in my lap. And wow, was I in for a ride. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, the good and the bad side. Um, and the bad sides came up very quickly like oh <laughs> taxes oh uh how how do how do i get a domain name what does that mean right uh and i was 23 i didn't go to business school i went to study psychology and music and then i um got my first client that wasn't like a friend or my mom and um that first client was a wedding invitation design job i'd never opened photoshop i photoshop i had never opened Illustrator, I'd never opened any design program. I didn't know that you could print things that weren't at your home printer or like at Kinko's. And so, and wedding invitations are clearly not done on your home printer. And so anyway, I'm the like quintessential dictionary definition of fake it till you make it. And so anyway, fast forward, we're still here 10 years later. I have written three watercolor books with Penguin Random House. I have... Um, 10 online courses for business owners, creative business owners. And then I'm a surface pattern design. I have a few collections in Target and Staples and product collections um, like planners and text, different textile stuff. Yeah, so that's kind of a perfect segue because when people ask me what you do, it's hard. For, it's a laundry list of things. Many. You many have things. many a stream of income for a lot of different reasons. So can you talk a little bit about building a sustainable business that allows you to make money in a bunch of different ways and why each of those is an important element to your brand and your business? Yeah. So the first five of my five years of my business, just to give some sort of context, were I was client based business. So I was working with wedding clients specifically because that just kind of fell into my lap. Because of uh, when I first started posting my artwork, that's just what was I was like getting the most inquiries about was like, can you design my wedding invitations? And um, I was working 68, 60 to 80 hours a week at one point for multiple years in a row. My health was suffering and this is how it all ties in so perfectly for the for the podcast. Um, but I was realizing that I cannot sustainably continue working this hard and also feel like I'm not serving any purpose really like wedding invitations end up in the trash most of them as some people keep them and we god bless them um but it was it was starting to and there's nothing wrong with being a wedding stationary designer there's nothing wrong with bringing happiness and joy to people through that sort of medium but for me at my core I just felt like there had to be more and I also just health-wise I could not continue 
working 68 hours a week, grinding on these client jobs that I was literally painting the same flowers and like the same calligraphy, the same, everything was the same. I just was like kind of being art directed by the client, but I'm the professional. I'm the creative person. You're not a creative person. I was getting hired by like, you know, people's day jobs were like attorneys and whatever they were. So I had this, um, moment of I need to figure something else out now and this is the point where I need to like go out and figure out what I want to do within this creative like industry now that I'm finally here and worked so hard to be here and I was making good money as a wedding stationery designer I was doing Jennifer Aniston's holiday cards like I was doing well I did not know that what a name drop that was a name drop I'm sorry for everyone I'm not trying to I I love it more work with it directly obviously but and okay you want some more John Hamm uh he wasn't anyways we're okay we're done (laughs) so so you can make good money you can have a successful career doing these things but I felt like I was working too hard for like the fulfillment that I was getting back and the reward that I was getting back and like my relationship with John was suffering my mental health was suffering my physical health was very much suffering I was in the hospital at one point with kidney stuff so I obviously I had to make a shift And, um, this is when I started looking into, uh, online courses and teaching because this is something that I've, I had done. So I have been teaching like in-person watercolor or in-person calligraphy workshops since year one or like late year one, early year two ish of starting my business. Um, and it was just like the perfect timing of me starting a business and uh, just saying yes to whatever came my way. So a a shop here in Fullerton actually reached out when I was like two years into my business and said, would you ever teach a calligraphy class? And I said, I've never taught it before, but yes, I'd taught piano before, but never calligraphy. And I was just learning it myself. Anyways, taught my first ever in-person creative workshops and I caught the bug. I found this thing that I was like really passionate about and that was teaching. I absolutely love teaching. It's my superpower. It's something that like I feel no matter how many hours a day I'm teaching, I'm always feeling fulfilled after. So like the three weeks in France that I was just doing for the art retreats, like exhausting every single day. You're with these people, you're getting questions, you're teaching, you're spending a lot of energy, but I, I always feel fulfilled and energized after. And so I wanted to pursue that. I started pursuing, um, there's this uh, media company in San Francisco called Britain Co. They found me, I think, through the shop that I taught my first workshop at. And for people who are like, oh, that must be nice that you just got all these things just landed in your lap. It was kind of like this um, really like wild, wild west territory on social media. Like this was 2012 when I was first starting my business. And so like Instagram was around for a couple years, maybe a little bit longer, I'm not sure, but it was for sure not an app for showing booties and like promoting your business. Like there was nobody doing that. It was like literally sapia toned photos of your feet and like lunch and your dog. And that was it. And you were not on there like every day, even you were just kind of like popping in and out. And so like, I obviously was not the first one to start posting on Instagram and using it as a business tool, but it was like right when that was like starting to turn. And so it was just like the right place, the right time, the right platform at that time um, for me to start promoting my business in any way. So that's how the fr- the shop in Fullerton found me. That's how Britain Co. found me. And it was just uh, a perfect placement of these things. And so online courses is probably like 60% of our revenue stream at this current day in our business. We have, uh, obviously my 
books. I have a third one. My third one's coming out next year. And that was also another, my mom was going to a gym in San Clemente and her personal trainer happened to also be a literary agent, which is so fun. A little tie there, but she wanted to stop doing personal training and do her literary literary agency and reached out to me because my mom is a mom and always bragged about me and was always like, you've got to check out my daughter's artwork. So anyways, um, I gradually started making the transition because of all this behind the scenes stuff that was going on with teaching while I was simultaneously building my wedding stationery design business and figuring out how Photoshop works and how Illustrator works and letterpress and foil and all this stuff. And now I teach that to wedding stationery designers because I understand the process very well through trial and error, many error, um, many, many errors. So then I dove into online courses because of the itch to feel fulfilled and the passion and stuff, but also it just is how education has transitioned and transformed the way we do business and the way we learn about doing business, especially in creative business. And so um, all of that was another like big, big moment of just trying to figure things out like email marketing and SEO and like how to film and record things and where do I upload it and how do I tell people that I've uploaded it and all of this stuff. So, and then throughout that too, weaved in has been art retreats, um, supplementing just like time in person with people, especially in the last couple of years has been so huge. Those are the big ones. Um, I do some online coaching, um, one-on-one coaching. And then I also have an online like art school where we're uploading and that's where my husband comes in because he's been working with me now for about three years. We've had our YouTube channel for roughly three years and that's now up to 200,000 subscribers all because of John. And obviously I have something to do with it, I guess, but he You're just the pretty face. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's um, all John. That's it. Yeah. No, John's done a really, really good job of like understanding that platform. Cause it's a totally different platform than obviously Instagram or any search engine. And then through YouTube, we get some affiliate in- income and ad income. And then I have the art school, which is like a monthly subscription. People can join for monthly tutorials and then an art community that I'm active in. So that's kind of an overview. That's just an overview. Right. Just a quick overview of my day to day. A little bit about me. (laughs) Yeah. But like you said, when you first started out, you had very few resources, very little income. It was kind of like the Wild West out there with online digital marketing. Can you give us just a super high level overview of your personal experience with your initial SEO and your marketing strategy to try to get where you are now with all of these different sources of income? Mm, Yeah. So the strategy is the key word there because I had zero until the last three or four years. It's been like very, very strategic. Now everything I do is very based on metrics and analytics and strategy. But when I was first starting, it was like, um, SEO, what is that? Like, what are you telling me when you say SEO search engine optimization, obviously. And so I, didn't know that if I uploaded something to the internet, people could search and type in keywords and I could rank in search results. I didn't know that that was a thing. I like, I had an Etsy shop for a very brief time and a lot of artists get into having an Etsy shop or an online, like a Shopify or whatever. Cause a lot of artists do like art prints and commissions. And, um, that's where people who are like pure artists or fine artists or whatever make money is through commissions and fine, uh, art prints. And so I was doing that for a brief time and slowly started to figure out like, oh, because of looking at metrics and data on the back end of your website or your Etsy profile or whatever, if I 
pay attention to the words that I'm using instead of using a cute, fun, like family name or like a song that I really love to title the, to name my prints after or to name my commission pieces or whatever after. If I am more strategic about it and I use keywords like floral art print, watercolor art print for a nursery, like a long tail keyword like that, something that's really specific, I'm not only going to get more traffic to my site, I'm going to get really specifically warmed up traffic to my site because they are typing in floral watercolor art print for a nursery. So they're not just looking for a floral watercolor art print for the whole house. They're looking specifically for the nursery. So they're really warmed up. So anyway, I started like playing and tweaking with it. And I didn't just like come to these things because I'm this genius that like, you know, I don't know, just comes up with these SEO strategies out of my head that's impossible. We all are picking up things and learning things as we go from friends, from YouTube, from whatever. And so YouTube was a huge resource for me when I was starting my business. And it was something that I was, okay, how do I figure out SEO? Okay, let's start with keyword research. What does that mean? How do I do keyword research? What is ICA? Finding out who your ideal customer avatar is and why it's important to actually define this person, get to know them, get to know like how they even speak. Because for example, when I was a wedding stationery designer, there's so many different uh, like characteristics that form a very different person that could hire you. So I could be hired by somebody who is into modern style wedding design just to keep it you know on theme with what I used to do and so that person may be also into fashion they might also be have an affinity for like a really clean house we're obviously making huge generalizations here and this isn't always the case but like the more DIY couple is not going to be the couple I want to attract because they're going to penny pinch they're going to want to like do things on their do it yourself uh, cut costs or whatever. And so like knowing who you're attracting is really important for, first of all, saving time because you're not then having to weed through all of these emails and inquiries of people who are not your perfect client, not your dream client. So anyway, I teach an online course on SEO and all this stuff too. And one of the main things that I try to get people, especially in this sphere and like creativity, it's so right. It's so left-brained and what we do is right brain, And so it's kind of like merging this I love like science and all of this like mathematical stuff and so it's merging that plus the creativity but like really understanding what the user is doing on a search engine what words they're typing into Google what words they're typing into any search engine Etsy YouTube whatever like creative market even is a place a licensing platform for artists and so treating your everything you upload, everything you write, your meta descriptions for your blog posts, your meta descriptions, you know, the one to two sentence little phrase or blurb that you put uh, that shows up in search results. You see the blue text, that's the title of the page or the title of the blog post, and then you have the meta description. And so thinking like the searcher, what would make them want to click? That's going to be what you write in your meta description. How you write your titles of your blog posts or your titles of your products on your website or your online shop is super important if you want to get organic search traffic. If you don't want to just pay for ads or hope people find you or word of rely on word of mouth, which is like there's especially in the creative industry and even in the industry that you guys are in with like gyms, there's so many gyms. There's so many uh, artists who are wanting to be entrepreneurs or wedding stationery designers, whatever. And this also weaves me into uh, talking about Instagram and how it's like I love Instagram and I want to like talk bad on Instagram. There's a lot of things that I can talk bad about it because of, you know, how much time we spend on it and all this, but it's an amazing tool. It's what 
basically what started my business. Like that's how people first were discovering me was through Instagram, which is so weird. And it was because I was using hashtags. So like hashtags was, it's not really like that anymore, but it was kind of like the pseudo search engine built into Instagram. Instagram is not naturally a search engine. You're not like going on and searching Orange County fitness place or whatever, or like a wedding stationery designer in my area. You're not doing that. That's not the platform. That's Google. And so Instagram in the early days, the wild, wild west was just like, you know, you were on there to follow your friends. And then all of a sudden these things called hashtags were these things that you put on photos, but you didn't if you wanted to look cool. And then I did because I didn't care. And then I started noticing that people were following me and I was getting a thousand followers a day Wow! because of the Whoa. videos that I was, I was posting and then the hashtags that I was using. And this was like for probably a year it was a th- literally a thousand followers a day and That's then sometimes incredible. it would spike and it would be two to three thousand or whatever and it was literally purely because it was chronological back back then and then the hashtag thing it was like not oversaturated like it is now and people were using it differently they were using it to s- discover new accounts because it wasn't as popular or like saturated as it is now this was actually my next question, so this is perfect. You can't really rely on it because of all the changes in the yes. algorithm and because of everything from shadow banning to the fact that it's not chronological anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have to rely on SEO and an email list and all these other yes. ways to have your ideal customer know how to find you and mm-hmm. what you're providing. Yeah, so that's why, I mean, in the early days, back to your actual original question, which was how did you even get into this stuff or strategy or whatever? Uh, I didn't have a strategy. It was all like very trial and error. And so I'm like, I I am always a proponent of people just staying curious and open-minded in any realm, in any sphere, in any category. And like, even if you have your roots planted in a certain ideation or you like believe something so firmly, like to still have that open, soft mind to because I've been so firmly like one way opinionated about one thing especially like in my 20s and when I was first starting my business I was like I can't even tell you like these supplements you have everybody has to be taking these or you have to do business this way or you have to be on Instagram and you have to post at this certain time but then realizing like throughout my journey of life that like you can never be firmly planted in anything because there's always so many different angles and nuances to anything health business art there's never one way one angle whatever and my mom has been really good at teaching that to me since I was a kid is staying curious boredom breeds creativity and so um, in the early days of my business it was like I know that there's probably some sort of strategy out there that I should probably find and then Um, it eventually came to me. And I now have an operations manager who's been working for me for about three years. Her name is Kelly. She's honestly better at running my business than I'm at running my business. And I've been doing it for way longer. But she is the type A to my type B. She's very organized. We have so many systems. We have so many spreadsheets, like spreadsheets that I never even knew existed in formulas And I I just didn't even know this whole world was possible until she came into my life and uh, flipped it upside down. And here we are today. So now we have a lot of strategy. But it's uh, like all I'm trying to say is it's been very piecemealed throughout the last 10 years to get to where I am today. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like that answer perfectly encapsulated. I was just talking to my husband, Justin, about you the other day. 
and we were talking about two of the things that we like really respect and appreciate about you one being one you are not a gatekeeper like as soon as you have information you want to share it with the Mm -hmm. world and give it to them and you and and I mean that's just like wanting the best for people in general and fostering that kind of curiosity you were talking about and I feel like in the knowledge sharing business or industry um, that is the the way that education is moving but it's so important to have people like you that don't have this feeling of like I had to figure it out myself so everybody should have to work that hard and figure it out themselves it's like no none of the none of these things should be secrets there's enough for everybody why can't we just go ahead and share that and then the second one changing your mind that you're like I always say that I think one of the best things that can happen to anybody is to be proven wrong and completely have to change their entire worldview and whether it's political beliefs or religious beliefs or health or their approach to health or anything else because once you're shown that you can believe something so thoroughly like 100% no question and then be shown that you're wrong about it then forever you have to be more willing to be a little bit more open-minded about everything because if you could be so wrong before it's very possible that you can be extremely wrong now my favorite mantra one of my favorite mantras my top mantra is no gatekeeping probably <laughs> but my second one is strong opinions loosely held mm. and it's that's a good one chef's kiss it's the best chef's kiss i love it i love that for you but yeah that those are great things to love about Jenna. I've captured those yeah, just in you. this one conversation, honestly. Right. She's best. Thank Fabulous. you, guys. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> These words are crazy. <laughs> so we know this wasn't the case at the beginning, but now you, as you've said multiple times, you work full time with your husband, John. Mm-hmm. So we know this wasn't the case at the beginning, but now you, as you've said multiple times, you work full time with your husband, John. Mm-hmm. So how was that decision made? And also, were there growing pains with that? Dude, <laughs> <laughs> this is opening some deep shit. No, I'm just kidding. Gotta get um, in there. It's hard for sure. I'm going to put that disclaimer out there. It is not for everyone. And the time, but also it's amazing. And John's listening like, what the? <laughs> He's like, this bitch. It's usually because of me. Um <laughs> No, so we've been working together for three years. We've been married for 12 years, I think. Um, We've been together since I was 19. Got married when I was 21. And uh, so we grew up together, basically. We've changed personalities each like seven times and obviously jobs. So a lot has changed. And thankfully, we still love each other very deeply. And it's a miracle, honestly, because... (laughs) That's how you know you found the right person. Uh, Yeah, it was just... I don't know what it was. So anyway... John started working with me about three years ago, and it was roughly six months after I had my son, Miles, who is an absolute blessing, and I know that word gets thrown around a lot, and it's not my favorite word, but it is very true in some of the darkest ways and some of the most like amazingly um, healing ways and beautiful ways, and I, uh, I guess to give more context on to how it ties into my health stuff and like business, but around that time it was when I was, um, finishing a really, really big partnership in my licensing surface pattern design realm of things that I do. And I did not take a maternity leave. I worked up until I gave birth. I launched my very first 
online course that like was on my own website. I was doing online courses with Britain Co. and other people before that, but this was like way more work back end, especially wise. And I didn't have any employees at the time. I had an assistant like a few years prior to that, but she had just left. And then I had a girl working for me doing like wedding stationery, like addressing envelopes and stuff. But she, I just sold the business to her and she was doing wedding stationery. And so I was moving into this online course realm and the licensing and at the same time, eight months pregnant, bought our first house, uh, started um, launching online courses and, or was about to launch my first online course and worked to the day that I was going to give birth, got pneumonia and uh, was two weeks overdue with Miles and was planning on doing a natural home birth. Could not do that anymore because in the state of California, uh, midwiferies cannot go past two weeks. So you are you have to be admitted to the hospital. So I was admitted to Hogan. It was a beautiful, wonderful experience. Wait, so I have to interject. You had pneumonia when you were giving no, birth? No, I got healed from okay. pneumonia before I gave birth, thankfully. This was like the month before and it okay. was the month I was launching the course. We were also doing construction in the house. It was obviously pure chaos, way too much going pure on. Pure cortisol. Major stress, all of the things, pure cortisol all day, every day, 24 seven. My nervous system was not regulated. It was not in check. I was constantly in stress, had the baby. Oh, <laughs> this is also really crazy. <laughs> baby life. <laughs> Being a mom is the hardest thing you will ever do and like i i i just i've been told that so many you've been told that so many times and you hear it and it just washes over you and then you have the child and you're like wow this is amazing oh my god i think i'm going to die (laughs) right (laughs) so um and then for me too it's it's just been a cascading of like stress compounding for building my business and not not prioritizing my health but also understanding health really well too because my mom has been dealing with Hashimoto's her whole life she's been like super into like natural way of living and lifestyle since I was like 12 or 13 and so I'm aware of the things that I'm doing and I'm aware that they're destroying my body and my health and my mental health just didn't care um so anyway I had Miles again back to that he was a beautiful beautiful um blessing but also at that time it was like I had my breaking point I cracked I have never been so like unfamiliar with who I am and so unfamiliar with what I was thinking and unfamiliar with what I was feeling and it was like I've experienced depression before I've experienced anxiety before it's like a very common symptom with Hashimoto's, which is an, auto, an autoimmune disease that I've had since I was in high school. And so I knew of these feelings, but this was like cracked wide open. I now do not want to live. Like I, I was so in, I was in such a dark place, not sleeping obviously. And like um, all of these things were just so new to me. Hormones that you can't control that are happening and producing because you're keeping a child alive. And anyways, John was not working with me at the time. And it got to this point where it was actually very concerning (laughs) for many reasons, uh, like attempted suicide and stuff. And so he decided, we decided not solely because of that, but it also just felt like the time for him to help support me in my business because I didn't have any employees, but also because I kept getting asked, like, when are you going to start a YouTube channel? you're such a good teacher in-person workshops like when are you going to start a YouTube channel and it's like a no-brainer to start a YouTube channel with the way things are going with the online sphere 
And John knew nothing about being a videographer, but he was like very willing to learn and help is like the most imperative thing that you can, I don't care who it is, how much you don't like that person. You need to be humble, as humble as you possibly can and ask for help and just do it. So anyway, um, it was kind of like a, um, multiple things were percolating all at once and um, just showed us that this was the path that we needed to take. John was very quick to learn um, like video and editing. Um, so it's been three years. We have our moments where, so the reason why it works so well to actually come back to your question is because we are very separate in the work that we do. Like obviously we sit and film together and that's it. After that, John is, his world is YouTube and I've made sure to not overstep like, oh, you should actually reword the title to be more like this. And obviously having the background of search engine optimization, figuring it out for myself, for my blog and my website and stuff, I know how to write titles and meta descriptions and it translates pretty much YouTube, Google, it all translates. But I actually don't know why I wasn't so nitpicky about this. I think because I was scared a little bit to like mess up the relationship. Right. <laughs> but normally I would have been like, oh, maybe tweak this, tweak that. But John, that's his realm. He has fully dived into learning how to title things, learning how to write descriptions, the whole SEO engine behind getting discovered on YouTube and organic search traffic, how to upload videos that doesn't take 10 hours and crash your computer or, you know, things like that, that I do not have any interest in, in learning. So he is very separate. And then I just basically sit down and I teach the only issues we do have are when I have, this is pretty much everything in my business, do not um, process decisions before they are made. I know intuitively instantly when it's so for example this is a good example when I went to France a month ago to go teach art retreats I had no curriculum planned I had no like yeah subjects or whatever and all of my students are asking so like what are we gonna paint this week what are we doing tomorrow and I was like I'm going to tell you tomorrow when we start painting and right when I pick up the paintbrush I know what I'm gonna paint I don't know why I don't know what it is but I just felt I feel it in my body I think we all have that innate sense of like intuition but it's kind of guarded or like pushed down a little bit anyway so when we go to sit down and film YouTube videos and we're always like a month out or whatever he's like so I have this and that scheduled and I want to put this video in for July so that we're doing these like beginnery things and then we're leading up to this thing and the SEOs and all this stuff and I totally get that because I'm like that for some reason with like my blog and that stuff but for painting I want to sit down and I just want to paint what I'm feeling because it's that creative process. You want to get into flow. And so anyway, that is the conflict that we have. And we're not like screen matches or anything, but it's just like, let me kind of get into this zone now of like the like type of video that you wanted because I was over here already feeling this, but now we're over here. So we, it's very like minor, the surprisingly the issues that we do have. And it's usually because I operate so weird, like, and come on, just like plan a little bit. And I just don't like to. So, but for, I don't, I really don't have any advice though for spouses who were I working mean, together. <laughs> like you just kind of have to be as like forward focused and end goal focused as like realizing that John has the best interest of the YouTube channel in mind. I also have the best. And so it's not like we're trying to sabotage each other's plans. So I guess like one of the main pieces of advice or whatever for couples or spouses or whatever partners who are working together is open communication like even those feelings that you think are so insignificant they're just like little hits 
little intuitive hits or little gut feelings or whatever, those are worth bringing to the table and being open and honest about and actually communicating about because you never know what that little hit is going to turn into, especially after three years, four years, five years, three months, even three days. So, um, you know, sometimes we're having these discussions where I'm like, I don't even know how we got here, but I had this like initial feeling about why I didn't want to do this. And now let's just explore it and have an open mind about it. And hopefully we come to a conclusion about it. Even listening to you say that, like you saying that you just like kind of let John own YouTube. I'm like sitting thinking in my head, I'm like, I should just let him do the spreadsheets how he wants to do the spreadsheets. <laughs> but you told me recently that you decided that you're going to stop making as many um, decisions, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to stop making decisions. No. Oh, oh, opinions. I don't know. We were working oh, no, out. Yeah. And, she, and I was like, would you rather do this exercise or this one? And she was like, I'm relinquishing my what was the word opinion it's just i'm trying to not have an opinion on everything right which is incredibly again hard we'd have to talk about my mom to to get over (laughs) this but well roots are deep i feel like uh, you were talking about the spouses and how it's like obviously you're on the same team end of the day like keep that in the forefront i literally like so many of the married couples in my life work together my parents have been um they own a business together for 20 years oh, so wow. i'm like front row seats to it all yeah, the time that's what you should be asking it's crazy they i don't know how they do it at all they share an office too like you guys separate after the videos they don't get to separate and then they come straight back here well we do share an office but we don't have any help for miles because john like really wants to be honestly best dad in the world um, so anyway, he, he works in the afternoon and I work in the mornings. Mm. So the only time we film videos or have available to film videos is during his school, which is Tuesday, Thursday, 8 to 12. You saw John at Mother's what when I was in France. For, I was gone for three weeks, so everybody was gone. I have never seen John Rainey like that before. <laughs> and I see him at like 6 a.m. sometimes walking to the gym or like leaving. Not a morning person. Super crazy workout. Shoot. We were at Mother's Market and we saw John with Miles and both of them were just like... <laughs> they were both really sick when it I was It was gone. like they went through a wind tunnel. Like their hair oh, was no. kind of all crazy. And like you could just, you could read it in his eyes. And so we're, me and Justin are like, do you need anything? <laughs> like, Stop. do you need help? And he's like, Jenna's parents are gone. Jenna's gone. Miles is sick. I'm sick. Da-da-da. Like going back and forth. And I was like, Poor guy. okay, I was like, if you need a babysitter, you need me to get groceries? <laughs> Give me a call. You're like, I don't know how You to know, help. it's bad when <laughs> random people, not random, but you know, like people who are just like seeing your body language and your aura and are and like, like, do you need you? someone to help babysit? <laughs> do you need me to help you carry these groceries to the car? That was crazy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Anyways, you guys made it. You made it through. You survived. Um, Well, kind of on that note, (laughs) doesn't sound like very many people were in flow at that point of life. Definitely not John Rainey. Kind of difficult for John. (laughs) 